Welcome to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast, the podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. This season, we've been focusing on romantic comedies, and for our seventh episode of the season, we're getting stupid. Crazy stupid, that is. We're hitting our stride this week with none other than crazy stupid love. Rick. Pork. Are you excited? Are you excited for this one? I am excited for this one. I love I love uh, CSL's Pork. CSL's Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, I see what you did there. I put it together out loud. I like it more than PSL's. Ah. Do you know what a PSL is, Pork? Are you caught up? Uh, no, I don't. That's why I said, ah. Pumpkin Spice Latte. Ah. Pork, I love the sweater today. You're bringing your game. Thank you. Yes. Someone complimented me. I wore it like last week and I haven't taken it off since. So <laughs> It just has stayed on your body. <laughs> it's just stayed the on. The entire time. All week. Gave it a wash in the shower. That's why I wear glasses because I used to wear contacts and I put my glasses on one day and I got a compliment and I haven't worn contacts since. Sounds right, Pork. You so, look great in glasses. You look great today, oh, Thank Pork. you. If someone compliments me on this podcast, I will never stop. Oh, like you'll never stop doing the podcast? I mean, we were never going to stop anyways, but... I think we signed a contract, a blood contract, if you will, until we are 68 years old. And then we revamp our podcast because we'll be in a retirement community together. Well, when we turn 69, we'll actually just start back with the same movies from season one. And we just well, well, forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Park, you ready for the recap? Just get in the recap. I want some recap. Right, here we go. CSL is a story of a sad man, a bad man, a creepy kid, a cheater, David Linhagen, Hagen, Spider-Man's aunt, a young Joey King, oh, and for some reason, Josh Gerben. A story of crazy people finding love in stupid ways. Pretty much just a season of This Is Us wrapped up in a single movie. CSL delivers a twist with more power and emphasis than an M. Night Shyamalan movie. All of this together begs the question that we will try and answer today. Is this the perfect mix of rom and com with maybe even a hint of drama? Or is this tainted by a predatory babysitter in the final two minutes? Listen and find out. <laughs> Rick, there you just opened up a can of worms like you always do. That's the goal, Park. That was a really good recap. I actually really like that. And you really were like going fast there at the beginning. I feel like I have to say that part fast. I feel like it, it kind of flows better, you know? So, Rick, after all of your incredible recaps, we obviously have the good, the bad, and the ugly. We got to dive in because there are... I feel like there's, there's quite some choices for all... It hits all three, Park. Yeah, Rick, I've got, I've got a lot of goods, so I'm just going to dive into it if that's okay. Give it to me. Number one, and I think most people would agree with this, is the writing of this film and the interwoven storytelling. Let me just say it is so difficult to write a feature film, period. And then the more threads and storylines you start putting into it, the easier it is for a film to feel bloated or characters to feel unnecessary. But every character, big and small, plays an integral part in the story. And I think that leads to my next good which is the backyard party the backyard sequence where all of the storylines come to head is phenomenally done and it also is done in a way to hit those rom-com story beats that we are so accustomed to of you know the couple is almost back together or all things are going good 
and the protagonist's life, and then what, 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 what happens? The ridiculous thing that breaks them apart. And in that sequence, Steve Carell and his wife were getting back together. They were back in love. Everything was hunky-dory, and then it all falls apart. I also appreciate that this movie does something a little different than your traditional rom-com. It's not about, you know, these two people meeting and finding love. Obviously, there's a whole group of people, but specifically, I think of Steve Carell and Julianne Moore and their relationship of falling back in love with each other and kind of understanding the the various elements of love. Besides Steve Carell and, and Julianne Moore, the, the rest of the cast was really strong. No one shines in this film, but no one outdoes anyone. Everyone has a very consistent role. Everyone was really solid in this. And then obviously Steve Carell is just so charismatic. I'm a big fan of whatever he is in. My last good, Rick, is the sequence between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone when they fall in love, when they had gone back to his place. They don't give a whole lot of time and development to that relationship. It kind of takes place towards the second half of the movie and it all moves pretty quickly but I bought into it because of just how much time they spent in the raw emotions and the realism that it portrays in that you know how sequence sequences when they go back to his place so I really appreciated that scene I thought it worked really well as a a scene to bias into that relationship moving forward so, Rick, those are those are some of my goods. I'd love to hear yours. Do you think Gosling and Stone have the best, I guess, like on-screen chemistry? Is there anyone else you could think would top them in movies? In movies? I mean, I thought when Harry met Sally, the two of them just have fantastic chemistry and banter and go back and forth really well. Just from our season of what we watch, I would put them still at the top. The kings and queens. I do really enjoy Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone on screen together, obviously. Well, planted the seeds for the one of the greatest movies of all time, yeah. Yeah, both of ours, one of our favorite movies. We both saw that together in theaters, two grown men. It's a cute little date. We walked out of that theater and sat in the little eating section right outside the theaters and sat there in silence for a good 10 minutes. Didn't we watch it twice together? Probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past us. I would not put it past us either. I think I saw that movie like four times in theaters, so... Because I saw it first on your second time, and then on your third time, my second time, we also saw it together. Yeah. Well, Park, let's get into the goods. My first good's Kevin Bacon. Mm. No matter what type of character, whether big or small, Kevin Bacon plays in a movie, the movie starts at 11 out of 10 for me, and then it just drops down from there depending on what happens. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's all about the sins of the movie at that yeah, point. Yeah, at that point, it's like this movie... I go into the movie, I see Kevin Bacon. Wow, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. And then it's then we see what happens after that. I had seen this movie once before and I totally forgot that he was in this movie. I did too and I don't know why. I feel like I've seen this movie a lot. I, lo- I love his character. I just love Kevin Bacon. I'm with you, Rick. I genuinely do not think another actor could play Lynn Hogg and Hagen than Kevin Bacon. <laughs> no, it was it was great. I got all-star cast, all-star acting, all-star story. Pretty much all what you talked about, and there's not much more I can say. I mean, I, I, I do think that so many movies, I feel like we get movies every single year, and there's like, I guess, at least six notable actors in it. Avengers, if you will. An, an Avengers movie. Yeah. I feel like it's hard to do it. Like, it's hard to do it well. 
generally like two of the actors will hit, like take like a back seat so i feel like it's huge that you can actually do it well like even in the rom-com area i like always think when i think of like getting a lot of famous people in one movie i always think of uh new year's eve and valentine's day as just like a lot of just random actors that are in it and like those movies and my on my personal rotten tomato they're probably 30 percent if i had a personal rotten tomatoes like they're like they're they're enjoyable i guess but it's just in the end it's just a blend of characters trying to make a cohesive story you know who does as a director does a good job of balancing a lot of characters and a lot of stars in his movies wes anderson that's true i think he does a really phenomenal job of even when they, a big star has a smaller role, you feel the presence of their character still. And I think that he does a great job. It feels purposeful. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, if you have, if you do have a lot of big names, like, you want it to be purposeful. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. So, like, Wes Anderson, I think, is, is like, a genius at it. And, and uh, yeah, Backyard Party. I mean, I think this is... This is, like, a... I mean, this might be one of the best climaxes of a rom-com yeah i've like seen it might be the best whether this movie is like the best rom-com i've seen or not i think the climax might be it's so wildly unrealistic but feels so realistic because of the world that they created with this movie and it just flows so naturally so much happens too like it's funny i feel like it's it's like so ridiculous i love the twist like i mean i just remember like the first time i saw this movie there's like no there's no way to like think that emma stone's character is is cal's daughter yeah so it's like it's just it's nice it's a nice way to do it park it is you should, you should take notes when you become a big time director be good on the twist park always taking notes rick um yeah i have this is movie is a win for suits just dudes in suits i think it's a good it's a good dude in suit movie ryan gosling looks like he's meant to just wear a suit at all times or no or no shirt at all that those, too. Are the, those are the two those are the two options, <laughs> those are the two comment, options. comment below which ryan gosling you want suit ryan gosling or shirtless ryan gosling uh, I'd, I'd have a tough time figuring out what i want i would just want to do the the dirty dancing move with him <laughs> rick then you'll end up in bed with him after <laughs> that true. i don't know if i want, I don't know if I want that <laughs> I would, i'd like to try out the massage chair that's true. I would like to. Tr- I used to go to Brookstone all the time as a kid. There is one in our mall, and I'd go there and just sit in those massage chairs while my mom and sisters would all go shopping. I'd be like, see you in Brookstones in two hours. And it was right next to the food court. It was perfect. You can get your Chick-fil-A, take a little short walk to the massage chairs. It was literally perfect, and I don't think that store is there anymore. And it just, it's just a different era, Rick. It's just a different era. Well, the Boca Raton Mall, I feel like, is only things that we can never afford it's true we couldn't afford things back then and i still can't afford things from there it's true that's true some things never change while others change all all a lot that wasn't very pretty how i said that but well park that was poetic and that's a great segue into the bad i'm gonna go (laughs) first (laughs) (laughs) i have david lindhagen hagen however you say his name wrong i have it as a bad I don't know. I've, I got confused. I've said his name so much today. So, Kevin Bacon is a good, but David Lindhagen yes. is a bad. Yeah, he's, you, just not, he's not a great guy. Can you? Is that is that just it? That's, That's it. I like his character. I like it's purposeful, but he's not a good guy, so he's a bad. Yeah, I see. That brings me to the point where I don't necessarily think anyone in this movie is a great person. In the end, 
You know, Park, some would say that love is crazy and stupid. So people are too. Yeah. The actual bad, which I gra- I feel like I grapple with a little bit because obviously the Steve Carell, his whole story drives the plot of practically everyone. Um, I just don't love how it's painted. The separation, I feel like it was painted to be more Cal's fault than his wife throughout the movie. Like it always felt like he kind of got more of the of the blame a little bit. And again, like I fight with it a little bit because I think it's also that you kind of need that with how they were uh, portraying it. I just felt like he was so much more guilty than Julianne Moore's character. That's a fair assessment, I would say. I've got a couple bads myself. Number one is they did my boy Kevin dirty. I just feel like the last time we see him in the film is, I, I believe, in the backyard sequence. And there's really no resolution with his character. You know, they just, it's like he's there getting beat up and then it's over. By David Linden Hagen, Hagen, Schmagen. I love the whole, like, <laughs> I just love, like, uh, Jacob, um, like, taking off his ring and then just walk over to him and, and punch, punch him. him. The whole, like, the whole, the, the whole part it's of like, it's so And, funny. like, thinking of it from his context, like, he's like, I have no idea who you are. What do you, what do you, what is going on? I know. Yeah. It's, again, great sequence. Really works. But, yeah, I just feel like. You know, he's the whole reason everybody's in this mess. And then he's gone out of the picture after the backyard scene. Just doesn't seem right. Second thing is I don't necessarily believe the quote unquote beef uh, Cal has against Jacob when Jacob starts dating his daughter. Like, I understand Cal thinks he's a playboy and kind of, you know messes around with with women and stuff like that but you would think over the course of their friendship and this journey that they've taken that he's gotten to see a little bit different of a side and seen more of who you know Jacob is and in a lot of ways he's confiding in him you know Jacob is out of the goodness of his heart for all intents and purposes is helping him try to move on from his relationship that has failed trying to help him grow as a person in the way that he has always come to think that that's how you're supposed to be whether that's right or wrong is a totally different question, but you, you'd think it wouldn't be so, uh, you can't date my daughter. There'd be a little bit more confliction there. There'd be a little more nuance there, but it's just kind of like playboy stop. Park. We're not fathers yet. It's true. I also feel like there should have been concern. If there was any beef, the concern should have came from if he was curious how many, if at all, Ryan Gosling's or, jacob's stds i mean he was that's that's fair that's fair i just think though rick you know i don't think that you wouldn't have the concerns as a father i think the concerns are valid i just think that now that he's known jacob that there would be more opportunity to communicate about the situation but he doesn't really allow Jacob to communicate his feelings for Hannah to him. But I I do believe that there's something in the in the um the trope of like your firstborn daughter, any guy that's that tries to date her, you're not gonna like. Like the the, the dad cleaning the shotgun. Yeah. That like quick thinking plays into it. I think you're right though. Like I think there's definitely should have been I either would have liked to see more conversation and like resolution 
or more conflicts there. I feel like there. I, I think you could have brought it out more. I guess. Yeah, and and at the same time, like that, this doesn't take away from the film. I think it's still a really well done film. I just, it, it's more of a nitpick when we're really getting down to it because there, I feel like there aren't really a lot of bads of this film. It's a really enjoyable, well thought out, well paced, well acted movie. It took me, I think, seven minutes to write down a bad for this this movie. Now that we're nitpicky, why don't we get even pickier? With our uglies. You know, Star Park, I want me to dive in. What my ugly is one of yours, which um, I guess I'll just go ahead and drop the ball. The nude photos. Now, we have differing opinions on why this is bad, and I'll give mine first. I just think, number one, I think it's a brilliant plot device to sow chaos within that backyard sequence. It just elevates it to another level. But it's so unrealistic. It's so ridiculous to think that this 17 year old girl 18 year old girl is going to profess her her like love and crush on this like 40 year old man that has absolutely no idea her feelings by sending him nudes that's just absolutely ridiculous nobody in their right mind is going to do that you have to be completely delusional in my opinion to think that that is going to work or be a smart idea in any to way, shape, point, or form. Park. High school boys and high school girls are pretty crazy and deluded and delusional. So yeah, Rick, but that's another level. If you're that delusional, you you're not watching other people's babies and children. That's true. I just, I just feel like there's crazy people out there. I mean, it is in the title, Rick. Also stupid. Yes, maybe maybe she was the crazy and the stupid in this movie. Well, I also wrote down as an ugly, just so I could say his name again, David Lindenhagenhagen. That's just a fun name to say. I'm going to delete it, though. It's not actually an ugly. We'll delete that. It's off the record, Park. Off the record. Um, I wrote down a child is cringe. I think I was supposed to write down more there. I just <laughs> dislike the final. Like, I, I just like the final for like 10 minutes and like the resolution, I guess, of the backyard fight in terms of like, one, you're encouraging the middle school boy to relentlessly pursue girls even if they j- literally directly tell him that he's making them uncomfortable that's odd to me and i don't think it's even odd in the middle of the movie i think it's odd that it's like encouraged at the end or the part of the movie ending is like encouraging that and then rewarding it by he gets a he gets a nude photo of a high school girl yeah but i also i get what you're saying i totally agree with you but i also feel like his character is more of a metaphor and a motif of love is crazy, love is stupid, love is messy, but it's worth continually pursuing at the end of the day. It I think spark, it's but in Hollywood you gotta be careful because I I agree. I think know, we all know what you're what you're you know, <laughs> I just there's a lot of names I could say, but you know. Yeah. We're not that type of podcast, so Rick. <laughs> Uh, I and like I understand that. I definitely, th- I I completely agree the p- his point in the movie. I don't, I don't think you should take out the character at all. I just don't like how I don't like the final two minutes. Like the, there's to me, there's absolutely no reason why she should give him a nude photo of herself in the movie. One that's literally, I mean, isn't she seventeen? That's like literally child porn. Maybe she was eighteen at that point. It was the end of the school year. That would be still a different level of not good. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting layers there so i i understand why it's on both of our ugly lists that's the only like plot line that to me felt i know like again like i think that there's something there with the characters and i think that there was like purpose and like they should be in the movie but some of the things just felt real icky to me yeah so i don't know i understand their purpose i understand what they were going for they weren't trying to you know reference anything bad or negative by doing it but it does give a little bit of an ick and maybe that's just the lens we view things through in the modern day and age now compared to how people approach things even 10 years ago I hope people weren't approaching things that way ten years ago. <laughs> uh, that's my, that's oh fair, Rick. Fork. But a lot can change in ten years. That is true. Now that we're talking about the past and the present, I think that's the perfect segue into our next segment, which is a new segment to this season of the podcast. And th- it's technically new to this podcast too. The that's title. true. It's never been it's never been done before. We are doing a, a segment called "Now and Then," different from our previous segment of then to now because we are in the now and we're going back to look at the then back then we were in the then and now we were going to the now but it flipped rick it did flip we're now then now and then now and then there's definitely ties i feel like there's definitely ties to rom-coms but it was hard to figure out exactly what the one thing i thought about throughout this movie and then when I looked it up, it confirmed it as I literally thought, because I had the idea for my intro as I was watching this movie, this feels like this is us, or this like feels like parenthood. This feels like one of those shows that's just like, it's a, it's a big like family or people related or something like that. And it's just kind of intertwining relationships and different stories like that. And this just felt, this felt like a, sp- a sped up version of this is us. Yeah. Came to find out it's the same writers. So it all makes sense now. All makes sense. That kind of brings us to our first point of this segment. I don't know if this film necessarily re-altered the genre or changed anything in the realm of the genre, although it does feel unique in its placement. It definitely has a little bit of an indie vibe to it. But I think that this movie kind of changed the television landscape a little bit with network television and these family drama-like stories that are being told like you said with this is us there's a couple others out there right now that are that are airing that i have to believe were created because of this movie as a pioneer for that type of storytelling and obviously this is us happened because of crazy stupid love this is us doesn't happen unless this movie is successful yeah literally because it's a it's the writers. Those writers don't get financed to create a show like that without a hit success to back it up. And then once This Is Us kind of blew up on the the network television landscape, uh, there are multiple shows that mimicked it in a sense, and that's kind of Hollywood to a T. You find something successful and you beat it to a a dry pulp. It's true. It's like the NFL park, spread offense. Mm. I also definitely think that like movies and like this is not the first movie to i guess try to intertwine a lot of big characters it just definitely feels like it like after the success of this movie though it was like tried over and over and over again and never like quite like worked out like i guess like i just i immediately will always think of like valentine's day and i guess valentine's day and um new year's eve 
are similar to um gosh there's like what's the hugh grant one there's like a massive one i'm missing in my head that also uh, intertwines stories i can't i couldn't tell you right this now it's bad that we can't think of this in a rom-com season rick we're watching these rom-coms because we haven't seen them yet most it of them true. we have seen a few love is in the title i'm so upset i cannot get this love's in like five million rom-com titles though love actually Love Actually. Ah. So Love Actually guess came out before this because that's 2005. I think I think Love Actually is similar. I think it's like kind of different things going on. Yeah. Well. So maybe this was inspired by Love Actually. I don't know. Again, I, I don't think that any of the movies, at least from, the, from our season so far, have interwoven stories quite like this that hit on an ensemble level so well you can go back to sabrina though i think and you can look and see these characters that have some level of interconnection with the brothers and their relationships directed towards sabrina but it's always at a a much smaller scale this feels so much bigger in its production and its conception than a movie like sabrina with the interwovenness of those characters it's true i mean in the end it's just it was done so so well like i I don't think it could have been done better in terms of like really feeling the story with every single character yeah and this was something i forgot to mention in my goods but i i want to mention right now is this movie does such a phenomenal job of sharing information with the audience in a very efficient way uh, because a lot of these characters are smaller side characters that don't get a lot of screen time, that don't get a lot of development, but you still understand the context and the emotional stakes of each of them. I mean, look at the babysitter's father. He's got a couple scenes here and there, but when he finds out that you know his buddy who just got a divorce is getting nude photos of his daughter, he's go into town and you gotta take him out you know it's just it all works it just all works and information is is done really well also i guess yeah. not buddy not buddy anymore because he was like we can't be friends anymore right at the beginning of the movie what an awful I friend know. yeah rick would you do that to me i would never do that to you pork oh, rick i knew you'd say that we're gonna move on to our other new segment of the season which is called this this week specifically it's called crazy stupid questions that's s-t-o-o-p-i-d crazy stupid questions and like every week rick we've got some good ones for all of our listeners out there and uh, why don't you introduce our first question i always see what people are drinking gives me ideas what do i want to drink so when i was watching this park i saw that cow's go-to sad boy drink was a cranberry a vodka cranberry which i thought was kind of weird to be like a I don't know, middle-aged man, sad boy drink is a vodka cranberry. We all have our crutches, Rick. We do. And, like, obviously, like, vo- like vodka cranberries, you cannot taste the vodka at all if you're playing it right, I suppose. So that's probably the point. You're trying to you're trying to get it down. You're trying to get that sucker down, you know? Yep. So, Park, I, I have a question for you. What is your favorite or go-to sad boy drink? Well, Rick, I can't say I'm much of a connoisseur of the drinking landscape. So, um... I'm going to have to go with my classic Jack and Coke, which I've been sipping on all podcasts for everyone out there. 
Uh, for those of our listeners that are just listening to this podcast, I am currently holding up a Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola can to the uh, to the camera. That is my go-to sad boy drink, but that is also my go-to, is go-to drink. My go-to drink, my go-to happy boy drink. All of the boys. Every single time that you guys come up to visit us, I ensure that we have both Jack Daniels and Coke just for you, Pork. Rick, I really appreciate that. Literally, it seems like anywhere I go where I'm expected to drink, there's always Jack <laughs> and Coke <laughs> there on has hand. To be. There has to be every single time. Right. Well, Park, my favorite sad boy drink is a Vegas bomb. No, this is not college anymore. It's not a Vegas bomb. But <laughs> my favorite sad boy drink, I feel like I'm just trying to drink. I'm just trying to drink whiskey, you know, like if I'm a sad boy. I guess I'm kind of a sad boy sometimes. Whiskey's going to be the, not even on the rocks. Like just, I pour that guy and I drink it, Bark, straight up. Mm, I can't do on the rocks. I'm not that hardcore, unfortunately, or sophisticated, however you want to look at it. Um, I guess if I'm like really, really sad, maybe I guess a bottle of wine. I have no idea. I haven't been like really, really sad in a while. I guess I'll let you know when, yeah. like, when it hits. Hey, that's a good thing. That's good. That's a good thing. Looping back to your, your first answer, though, I really enjoy the Vegas bomb. I haven't had one since college. They're so dangerous, Park. Rick, I got a question for you. I'm ready to answer. Obviously, Ryan Gosling's character is a playboy, and he has many a lines that he uh, brings up to approach women. It, it got me thinking, what's your go-to pickup line? I did not think about this until right now. <laughs> That's the best way to do it, Rick. This is tough. I got one. You just give your give me yours. Knock knock. Who's there? Good looking. <laughs> Good looking who, Fork? Me and you. Mm. You like that? That was a great one. I know. I'm going to go with I know you're busy, but add me to your list of things to do. Oh, Rick. That's good because everyone's busy in today's day and age. It's true. You got to have a list. Well, Park, we have one more crazy, stupid question here. We do. Are you ready for it? I guess so. You wrote it, but I'm going to read it. Is Steve Carell a better dramatic or comedic actor? Good good uh, intuition skills right there, Rick, because there was that sentence. <laughs> there had there not, was no that actor was, at the end. There was no completion <laughs> to that. The, what, it's, what is written says, is Steve Carell a better dramatic or comedic? <laughs> so I'm really glad that you picked up on that. What do you what do you think, Park? Give me your insight on. Well, I just think it's interesting. Film. I feel like this movie is kind of a blend. It's such a a pure blend of both of those skill sets. But obviously, Steve Carell is known for some of his high profile comedy roles, such as The Office, Anchorman movies, The Forty Year Old Virgin. But he's also, in the latter part of his career, really taken on a dramatic role. He also, in real life, has more of a reserved, quiet personality which I think suits him better for his dramatic performances. Personally, I have to say he's a better comedic actor. I just think of the roles and the the characters that he's portrayed, and they're so much more memorable than the dramatic characters. It's just his timing and his delivery, even in this movie, with um, some of the funny one-liners that he has it's all about his timing and his delivery i know his delivery his is lines. huge that that's his whole that's his whole thing is his timing and delivery is met like i feel like in all of the roles he plays um i agree with you 
I almost think that we're still waiting on like a great, great, great dramatic movie from him because I feel like it can be there. I actually never saw this. That wrestling movie with Channing Tatum that came out back in like 2014 or 15, like Fox something. He's great in it. I just think the movie itself is a little weak. Yeah. Like I know he's also in The Big Short. He's great in The Big Short. So I guess that's probably the best like movie he's probably been in. Yeah, but it's still like not his performance or his yeah, role. Yeah, it's not his. I, I, I genuinely believe, though, Steve Carell is a strong enough dramatic actor that he could he could lead a character study type of movie yeah, and get some Oscar buzz from it. I think it's just finding the right role in the right time, kind of like Brendan Fraser with The Whale, you know? It's just one of those situations where it's got to be lightning in a bottle, but I don't doubt his abilities to do that. But at the end of the day, he he's going to be remembered for his comedy. There's a lot of that like generation of comedy actors that I think can like really like kind of deliver it. You know who else I think can? Which is probably a really hot take. I think Will Ferrell can. Yeah, Will Ferrell definitely can. He's definitely mellowed out more in his later years as well in a lot of ways, but I think him and Steve Carell could pull out some gems in the latter half of their careers, Rick. I think Ben Stiller's great in serious roles. He's also a great writer and director. That's true. Just look at Severance, Rick. That series is absolutely phenomenal, and he's... I always forget that he uh, directed that. I remember, I remember seeing that at first. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he had a writing role in it as well. Don't hold me to that, but I believe so. But either way, very talented individual. We've got one more thing for you all. Our fun activity of the podcast. We love to do these fun activities with you. And boy, oh boy, do we have a doozy for you this week. Rick, we're back to BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed has re-sponsored the podcast. And we're back with one of their quizzes. I'm glad they came back, Park, because they, they pay us the most. They were getting a little desperate there. We we finally were like, all right, BuzzFeed. Okay, yeah, let's calm down, BuzzFeed. We'll give you one. We'll give you one. Yeah. The quiz that we're doing this week is titled, Which Ryan Gosling character should be your soulmate based on this food test? So I think this is just the perfect quiz for us, Rick, specifically because season one, you used to do food reviews all the time. And we both love Ryan Gosling, so I just I couldn't think of a better quiz. That's true. And you know, Park, maybe we'll get back to food or drink reviews. For, uh, we'll see what happens, Park. We'll see what happens. Oh, I can already tell I don't like this quiz by question number one. I know. I'm excited for you to answer this. Pick a fruit. Here's the fun fact about me, everyone. I don't really like fruit. I'm not a fruit guy. I actually despise fruit. My answer is going to be based off of my conception of fruit through artificial flavored drinks. And I think of all of these options, strawberry would be the one I would go with. Oh my gosh, even that's disgusting. Not even orange? <laughs> orange would be a second. Orange would be uh, second. I feel I feel like the artificial strawberry flavor is, is so bad. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Uh, Parker, as a man, I'm picking banana. Mm. That's an interesting uh, choice there, Rick. Pick a drink, though. We've got water, soda, tea, coffee, beer, and lemonade. Easy. Soda. I think I... It's from my drinking habits. I feel like I'm a soda person, too. I would... Going gluten-free, I had to turn beer down. I had tummy issues. Can't do coffee that much anymore. Tea just tastes like grass. Gotta be soda. Yeah. There's not really a lot of realistic options on here if wine was on here that might have been your option though wouldn't that it? would definitely have been my option that's a that's a main mainstay in my household these days all right rick pick a pasta spaghetti 
rigatoni, macaroni, bow tie, shell, ziti. Rigatoni. Uh, rigatoni. Oh, that's not my choice. That was, it's the best. It's the best word to say, though. I'm gonna go with macaroni pork. That's a good one, Rick. I I was thinking about that one, but I think I'm gonna go with shell. But I'm only going with shell because I'm thinking of mac and cheese. And if you get mac and cheese with the shells and it's got all that cheese inside of it, that's just peak. So that's that's why I choose shell. Well, Park, we have made it to the veggies. Pick something healthy to eat. A cucumber, tomato, spinach, carrot, pepper, and kale. Rick, this one is really easy for me. Spinach. That's just such a funny choice out of these. I, <laughs> I actually like spinach. I'm going to go with carrots. Also, should tomatoes really be in this section? No, it's, they should not be. It's a fruit. Well, it, I guess it's, it's pick something healthy to eat. Yeah, it's technically not a vegetable segment. It's a healthy segment. Oh, here's one we can answer, Park. Pick an ice cream flavor. Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, cookies and cream, coffee, or mint chocolate chip. My younger self would have instantaneously picked chocolate. My older, sophisticated self would easily pick vanilla, but mm. I've landed somewhere in the middle of that, and so cookies and cream is my final answer. Oh, that's where I'm going, Park. Anytime I'm going to get a milkshake, I always eat cookies and cream. It's just the correct answer, Rick. Park, you want to pick some candy? Oh. Jelly beans, M&Ms, Skittles, Jolly Ranchers, Chocolate Bar, or Twizzlers? That's tough. There's a couple of really high tier. If anyone that answers this picks Jolly Ranchers, I like question them. I do like Jolly Ranchers, but of of these choices, of these it's choices not, though, it's not peak. I really love Skittles, but I think I'm just gonna go with a, a chocolate bar. I'm going Skittles. Okay, good. I'm glad you went with it at least. Rick, pick a snack: fries, Doritos, pretzels, Oreos, Cheetos, or crackers. If I can have fries as my snack, I'm doing that every single time. But to me, fries is not a snack. So where where do you land then, Rick? Since I, d- I truly don't believe fries are a snack because I never have fries by themselves, I think I got to go. This is tough. I'm going to go Doritos. Doritos. Interesting. Interesting choice. I would obviously go with Oreos over Doritos, but I'm going with fries because I do believe it's a snack. Parker, when was the last time you had fries? You You either made fries or ordered fries and nothing else. See, it's not a snack. Well, Park, you're a snack, and you tell me which Ryan Gosling character is your soulmate. This is this is actually really funny. My Ryan Gosling character that would be my soulmate is Jacob Palmer from Crazy That's Stupid so Love. Stupid. That's mine. That's mine too. I think is it's it? fake. <laughs> it's a fake quiz, BuzzFeed. Everybody gets Jacob Palmer. I'm just gonna go back and see if this is. I'm doing only things. I'm going real quick. I'm doing only things I haven't chosen. No, you can definitely get a different one. Lars Linderstorm from Lars and the Real Girl is an option. <laughs> I just wonder which question. I feel like some questions determine the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I got I got La La Land. So I guess uh. you can. Uh, Sebastian would have been my, That's my choice wanted. of soulmates, I mm-hmm. think. yeah, I'm okay with Jacob. He has good character growth there. He has suits. He looks good to suit and he looks good shirtless. So. This is very true. We're set. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I I had some fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, someone even say that was a fun activity. This is the moment that everyone probably just skips to the end. And if they're interested in our opinion, they'll they'll see this. If not, they'll just skip it. This is the ROM and the COM scale park. 
Are you implying that some people skip to this section then realize they don't care about our opinions and then skip over this section, Rick? Th- that is exactly what I'm implying. implying. Okay, just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to go first. Okay, please Is do. that okay? Can I go first? Yes, you can always go first, Rick. I'm going to go to calm. I feel like I'm judging this by if I think this movie is as funny... Or funnier than When Harry Met Sally. I think When Harry Met Sally, the commiest movie, if you will. I'm going to go with a with a four. Um, I just think the com, it's hilarious. Like, to me, when I always think about, when I think back to this movie, is the backyard scene. And that's because I just think it's hysterical. I'm laughing the entire time at that. Other than that, I don't think that it's like the most incredible comedic movie. But to me, that carries enough weight that I'm going to give it a four. And then I'm also going to give Rom a four. Wait. I'm not going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a three. (gasps) Gasp. Because when I really think about it, like I kind of buy into the romances, specifically our favorite chemistry couple. But like... There's not a lot of ROM other than I feel like some of their scenes, so I don't know. Either yeah. Way, I'm going to go three. So we got three yeah. four. We got a seven out of ten. I thought I would rate it higher. Well, the ROM and the comp scale never lies, Rick. So even never when you lies. think you're going to come in with a better score, it humbles you. That's true. Rick, I'm not too far off from you, I think. I'm going to do something this week that I don't normally do with this scale, and I don't even know if it's allowed. But, Rick, I'm going to give my com a 3.5. I'm going with the 3.5. To me, it's not enough to be a 4. It's not enough to be that high because of the backyard sequence, because of some really great one-liner deliveries from Steve Carell. I have to put it above a 3. It just feels too low at that point. So 3.5 is the only thing that feels natural for me in the in the com scale. And... Rick, the same thing goes with the ROM. I have to give it a 3.5 as well. We're both at sevens. Yes, Rick, we're both at sevens. Which, you know, I think that's a fair thing. There are certain aspects that this movie does that are a 10 10 out of 10 in its level, but they're moments. Again, just going back and talking about the the romantic side of this movie, you're right, it it is fairly lacking. Um, it's a lot of people chasing after other people that are looking in other directions. One of our main romantic centerpieces of the film doesn't really start until the second half of the film. And it doesn't get enough screen time to really develop into something really special. I think they do a great job at establishing the romance and letting us buy into it. But at the end of the day, you, you need more than just, you know... a 15 minute scene of these two people falling. Uh, if this was Rotten Tomatoes, they would be uh, not rotten. It would be fresh. Over. Fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So those are fresh scores. We have one more thing we need to talk to all of our listeners out there about, and that is what movie we're watching next week. We've made it all the way back to the 2020s present day again. Can you believe it? In our second season, we're already back to present day. It's crazy, Park. We're going to be wrapping up soon. We got our choices coming up after that. There's a lot of exciting things to look forward to. There is a lot. 
there's a lot of exciting things going around, but the first of those exciting things is our movie next week, which is going to be, drumroll please, Palm Springs. Rick, I'm excited about this movie mainly because I don't know much about it and I, I personally haven't seen it. But that's part of the reason we're doing this podcast is so that we can expose ourselves to some of these really phenomenal movies that go under the radar, some of these classics that have slipped us by and kind of relish in them. And so this has had a lot of high praises around it, but it's one that just kind of slipped my radar and I'm excited to give it a try. Puck, I watched this movie around COVID. I think it came out around COVID times. Because I only thing I remember from this movie is I obviously remember the plot, but I one of my first texting conversations with my wife, I think I brought up that I was watching this movie. Wow. So there we go. That's like full circle, Rick. It really is, isn't it? It's beautiful. I guess that wraps up another episode, Park. I guess it does. You have been listening to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. The podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. We are almost to the end of our romantic comedy season, folks. Present day next week. How exciting. But until then, we'll see you next time. David Lindhagen. Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast is an independently created podcast. Like, rate, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube where we post full video recordings of each episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening.